This is Billy D with another very exciting, exciting Cal Jam podcast with somebody I've become really close friends with, Dr. Jack Wolfson. Say hi to everybody this morning. Hello, everybody. Great to talk to you. And you came out to the clubhouse and 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 raised the roof here. Yes, sure did. Fantastic bunch of people, you know. Uh, my wife, who is a chiropractor, as you know, she's always said the chiropractors are going to wind up being my best friends, and it's totally true. I've alienated everybody from my old medical community, all my old cardiology partners, and my med school buddies. So many of them uh, are really just out of our lives. Now, we, we've turned some of them uh, into our line of thinking, but uh, you know, clearly the chiropractors and uh, you know, your, your crew out there that I met at DCS, uh, just fantastic bunch. Yeah, because we kind of like, uh, I would say we live by the rules. We we live our lives congruent to our genetics, and we live in uh, in congruence with universal order and universal intelligence. And I, it, to me, it just makes perfect sense. I think we've gotten so far away with, you know, with medicine and allopathic thinking, with trying to push health in from the outside when reality it's an inside job. Okay, so how did you ever tell me a little bit about your history about becoming a cardiologist? Number one, your dad was a cardiologist, right? Yes, my father, may he rest in peace, was a cardiologist. He was a, he was a DO. All of his buddies were DOs. I was only interested in osteopathic medicine, and then becoming a cardiologist, and that's exactly the path that I chose. And I was a couple years into practice. And my father was at that point getting sick. He uh, wound up having a strange neurologic disease called progressive supranuclear palsy. And it was a horrible, horrible uh, demise that he suffered. He lived with it for about five years, uh, similar to uh, Parkinson's disease. And he was choking and coughing and falling. And it was just, you, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. And nobody could do anything. The Mayo Clinic had nothing for him. Uh, and at that time is when I met my wife, and my wife, uh, the chiropractor, opened up my eyes to the natural world. We tried some quote-unquote natural things with him. We took him to a natural doctor out here in Arizona, but at that point, he was, uh, number one, too far gone. Number two, he really wasn't into it mentally. He didn't have the ability to be into it mentally, which I think is so important for healing for anything. And uh, from, from seeing what happened to him and my other frustration with typical medicine, conventional medicine, where... Uh, someone comes in the hospital, you tune them up, you kick them out of the hospital, and they come back in three weeks later, and they're on a whole bunch of meds, and they feel lousy, uh, and uh, just learning about the natural, holistic uh, approach uh, that chiropractors enjoy, I started to change my practice, and here I am today with my own uh, practice, uh, integrative cardiology practice in Arizona, and it's been, uh, it's been a whirlwind, it's been fantastic, and uh, I, really see the, I really see the health issues from uh, from the chiropractic side, and I really embrace that. It just makes perfect sense, and I wish all my conventional medicine brothers and sisters really uh, you know, could get that. So let me ask you this. How was your dad's lifestyle previous to his demise? Uh, it was terrible. It was terrible, and, and what's even more scary is that I was going down that same path, that, right. you know, just uh, eating bad food, and he liked to drink uh, too much alcohol, and he didn't sleep that well, and he was 
taking his pharmaceuticals. He was taking his Lipitor to lower his cholesterol, which no doubt damaged his brain. And oh, my God. He is a neurologic disease, and, and that clearly damaged him. You work in a hospital, which is the sickest place in the entire world with all of the chemicals and all of the toxins, you know, the cleaning agents, and then, of course, doing, uh, you know, radiation-type procedures, coronary angiography, uh, and just getting blasted with radiation. I've done I've done hundreds and hundreds of pacemakers, and the pacemaker procedure, in order to visualize on the inside of the body, uh, you use ra you know radiation fluoroscopy to see on the inside and uh, the damage that that does. I, so I was leading the same life as my father, and uh, luckily I'm out of it. I'm not going to have what he had, uh, and my mission is to save people uh, from that uh, same fate, whether it's a neurologic disease or, or cardiac disease. Well, let me ask you this. As far as being a health practitioner hospital, was he required to get like annual flu shots and vaccines? Or I mean, I don't know how much that had to do with it either, because I know how we both stand on that issue. Yeah, certainly. Uh, he, he wasn't, and he wasn't someone who got the flu shot. I mean, whatever vaccine he had up into there, obviously he had the childhood, you know, vaccinations. Uh, but uh, he was not a big pusher of, he wasn't a big pharmaceutical pusher. He wasn't a big uh, uh, proponent, certainly, of the, of the flu shots. But obviously, uh, the, the uh, push for vaccines really has been much more over the last 15 years. He stopped practice in 2002 when he was sick uh, and then ultimately died in 2007. How old was he when he died? 64. Oh, man, that's horrible. 64. That's like, and I'm seven years from there, man. And Billy, you would have loved him, and he would have loved you. He was just a per he was just a great dude. He loved to hang out. Uh, he loved to relax. He he did love to drink. He loved to hang out at sports bars. Well, I used to love to drink too. That's why I stopped. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I would have gotten to him earlier, like you uh, like you realized it. Right. And frankly, like I said, I was going down that same path, you know, with just a weekend warrior. And uh, man, it's it's really bad, but. Uh, you know, I've got so many uh, doctors, so many nurses that still call me. They're looking for exemptions for uh, for the flu vaccine. Hey, we, call, we don't call it a flu vaccine anymore. We call it a fool shot. Yeah. We just, we I, just switched the two letters around, the L and the U. Right. Because, right. I mean, you really have to be to some degree foolish to actually think that that's going to prevent the flu. I mean, I don't even know how people can rationalize it, especially how are we going to pinpoint the exact strain of flu and then, you know, how you know, viruses will have a tendency to change like instantaneously. It's, I mean, to me, it makes no sense at all. And even if they did, it's just all the neurotoxic chemicals that are in there. I mean, I, you know what I say? I'll take my chance with my own immune system and work on building my own innate immunity rather than trying to inject it in from a needle. It's just, I don't get it. And I, I just, for some reason, don't understand how people can still believe in that with just all the data that's out there and just looking at the health of the human race, especially in the United States, the most probably the vaccinated country on the planet. Well, I think all the propaganda, you know, from the pharmaceutical companies and in bed with the news media and the government, where they just, uh, they, they, they really um, horrify or demonize these, these usually benign viruses. I mean, I've had the flu. You've had the flu. You're down and out for, for you know, 48, 72 hours, and you're back and you're good to go. And right. you never treat yourself with chemicals. You never had to take antibiotics, of course, which, which don't help for the flu. You know, you're laid in bed. It's a great detox. You sweat. You don't eat much. You don't drink much. Uh, and, then, and then you wake up and you're a stronger person. Right. And these benign childhood illnesses 
Uh, you know, same thing, measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox. I mean, these things, uh, percent of society is, is a joke. Right. And I'm going to tell you that I've never missed a day of work in 30 years. I don't get sick. So, you know, I, a lot of times I say you might get sick subclinically. You don't know you have the flu if you have a really strong immune system. But at the same time, you're always fighting off all these different microbes. That's a good point. You talked about antibiotics, and I think what we're seeing right now in healthcare is this big push for a microbiome and people's total disrespect for that microbiome with the usage of overusage of antibiotics. And I'm fortunate that I've never taken an antibiotic either. But also, the vaccines are going to be disruptive to the development of a normal microbiome, in my opinion. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think there's more and more research that's coming out to that fact, yeah, you know, for sure, is how, uh, you know, certainly take something like the uh, rotavirus or, or uh, you know, orally uh, um, uh, administered uh, vaccines, uh, you know, in the case of, you know, polio and obviously with the oral polio vaccine, the damage that that did you know, to people, uh, you know, the, the information that's coming out now, even from a cardiovascular standpoint about a healthy uh, gut, gut flora, the microbiome. Uh, obviously, uh, you know David Perlmutter uh, has a uh, has a bestseller called Brain Maker. That's uh, one of my favorite books. I love it. It's all based on the microbiome, and and the research is there. But if you think the conventional doctors are reading it, I mean they don't care. It's just uh, you know they're only interested in the newest pill and the newest procedure. And if the pharmaceutical companies come out with a uh, with a uh, probiotic uh, for heart health, then maybe they'll take interest uh, once somebody buys them a a lunch. Uh, from uh, from Pfizer or Merck uh, on that basis, but I, you know, real quick, I want to tell you you know quick story about the flu shots. Uh, is that I saw a person on a Monday morning, and this is a few years back, and on the Monday morning, I was assigned to do a stress test on that person, and I started talking to the person and getting a history as any good doctor uh, could and should, and it turned out that on Saturday when she initially came in with chest pain, six hours prior to her admission with chest pain, she had had a flu shot and the flu shot six hours later undoubtedly triggered her chest pain which actually turned out to be a small heart attack oh, I canceled wow. the stress test she had a coronary angiogram and she had a 99% blockage in the artery of the heart known as the Widowmaker. Now, any other doctor, either A, wouldn't take that history that six hours prior she got a flu shot, or B, would just chalk it up to coincidence. Right. Well, right. Me, I reported it to the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System uh, you know, from the, from the CDC, uh, and it turns out there are many reports of the same thing from vaccines. So... Uh, let the buyer beware. Let's get that information. Well, what, what do you think the physiologic response is to that that causes that uh, spasming of the widowmaker or the, the artery of the widowmaker? Well, I think from a fundamental standpoint, the most basic thing is that you know we're just injuring the body. I mean, the body is not meant to get a uh, a needle uh, jammed into its uh, into its arm, into a muscle belly, and uh, and to be injected uh, with anything. So there's probably some just fundamental trauma from that. Now, of course, uh, an acute immune response. Do you think it could be an inflammatory response that happens in the body? Uh, no doubt. I mean, okay. that that acute, you know, immune activation, acute inflammation, that irritation. It's just a stressful event. Even even the stress of knowing you're going in for a vaccine can be problematic. So I think there's probably a lot of different possibilities uh, for it, and they're all realistic possibilities. Yeah, and I don't know if you've read Suzanne Humphrey's book. Have you read that one, Dissolving uh, Illusions? Uh, I, I read excerpts uh, from it, and I love it. It's uh, her her take on polio 
is eye-opening. It's brilliant. It should be required reading for any medical students. And smallpox. But she, I mean, obviously she was an MD, a nephrologist in a hospital, and she noticed that after people got flu shots, they were having kidney failure, which is a pretty severe problem too. Uh, so... Again, I'm 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 sticking with the rules. I'm living in congruence to order. I'm not, you know, I, I don't do any drugs, and I'm just trying to get pe- other people to understand. And that's what the whole emphasis of CalGM is. Now, let me sw- switch gears. Now, you're a cardiologist. How did you get turned on to this whole paleo kind of uh, philosophy? Uh, well, you know, I actually in in 1999 or 2000, I was at a conference for the American College of Cardiology, their biggest meeting of the biggest cardiology society, and this was in Orlando, and I saw a debate between the late Robert Atkins and Dean Ornish. Now, Atkins, of course, is a low-carb guy, and Ornish would be described as a low-fat guy and as a uh, vegan. And I listened to these two uh, titans in the in the nutrition industry debates, and I walked out of there and said, "Wow, I'm uh, a low carb guy." What what Adkins said absolutely made sense. The data that he presented absolutely made sense. And paleo, of course, just makes sense. It's just the diet that our ancestors have been eating for millions of years. For millions of years, we were hunter gatherers, and we ate tons of vegetables and grass-fed free-range meats and wild seafood and nuts and seeds and eggs and avocados and coconuts and olives. That's the paleo diet, a little bit of seasonal fruit. The foods that are not paleo are going to be your grain, your dairy, and of course your sugars. Those are foods that our ancestors never ate. They increase blood sugar, increase risk for diabetes, uh, and we need to stay away from them. But my, I guess my final take on this is that no matter what diet you follow, please eat organic because when you're eating right. organic, you're keeping out the pesticides, you're keeping out the insecticides, the synthetic fertilizers, and eating organic is really going to be what saves this planet. Now, do you think all dairy is bad? I mean, I'm going to be a devil's advocate here. I, what about raw dairy, which raised well, humanely as well? If you're going to uh, if you're going to drink dairy, certainly uh, do it raw. If you're going to eat raw cheese, you know, uh, uh, you know, cheese, uh, butter, do it in the raw. That way, it's certainly it's in its most natural form. It's got enzymes in there. Uh, it's got you know actually healthy uh, bacteria back again to the right. probiotics. Uh, but our paleo ancestors did not drink dairy. We didn't go after another animal and milk them or make cheese, butter, yogurt, and certainly not ice cream out of their milk. Uh, dairy would be only be you know, around for the past you know, five, 10,000 years since we domesticated animals. Okay, I uh, didn't know that. A, a, you know, a, a baby, a human baby drinks their mother's milk. A baby cow is meant to drink cow's milk. A baby giraffe drinks giraffe milk. And on and on and on. But for a lot of people, I don't think it's a problem. But for some people, they do need to identify it as a problem. Lactose intolerance, uh, sensitivity to the proteins, whey and casein. Uh, I don't think dairy is the worst thing in the world, especially, like you said, from uh, a free-range grass-fed animal. And it's in the raw. Perfect. Now, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, about Let's talk a little bit about veganism and your opinions on that. And again, this is opinion and we're not trying to alienate any people. And I would love to be a vegan because I just from philosophical uh, respect for animals and my love for animals. But I really don't feel that my body works right on a vegan diet. And I also don't think it's – again, it's congruent to what our paleolithic, paleolithic ancestors uh, uh, ate. Well, our 
our our um, uh, listen. As you said, we love animals as much as anybody else does. Right. We're, we're very active in animal charities and dog rescues. Uh, and when we talk about eating animals, of course, we're talking about free-range grass-fed animals uh, that are raised humanely, killed humanely. Know your farmer. Know where it's coming from. That's certainly very important. Uh, it is very sad to think about. Uh, a lion uh, killing another animal in order to survive. But that's what a lion and a tiger and a bear must do is eat other animals to survive. That's just the way they're built. Humans are no different. And I personally, I don't like killing plants either. No, uh, I don't either. As far as, you know, listen, you know, I mean, a beautiful head of lettuce that's growing in the ground and you pull that out, now that plant has died. Or right. even in your own garden, if you plant um, you know, broccoli seeds, you know, the, it says to thin out the seeds uh, so, so you know, thin out the uh, the sprouts so the main one can grow. I mean, it's painful even to do that. I hate to do that right. uh, to to take any form of life, but that's just what we have to do in order to uh, to survive. And uh, you know, once again, the world is full of recovering vegans. I think because what happens is, is that once you burn out your stores of those healthy fats, those saturated fats, the proteins that are only found in animal products. Uh, you know, symptoms arise, and it could be neurologic symptoms, could be cardiac symptoms, could be fatigue or adrenal fatigue, and uh, so often people get there. Now, they may have good stores for six months, they may have good stores for six years, or even for, you know, for 60 years, but eventually these people can burn out, and one thing we definitely don't like to see is a, is a vegan mother um, uh, giving rise to vegan offspring. Uh, it's 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 a major problem, and I mean, to, you know, take breast milk. What what is human breast milk or animal breast milk? It's an animal product. It's full of saturated fat. It's full of cholesterol. These are foods we need in order to not only survive but to thrive. Right. And what's your biggest rebuttal you hear from the vegan camp? Well, I mean, they'll say that uh, that we don't. I mean, they'll say for one thing that uh, that we don't need meat to survive. Uh, and to thrive, though maybe they'll point to some other primates, they'll point to gorillas, uh, and I'll say, well, gorillas, uh, yeah, they eat plenty of bananas and other leaves and shoots and sprouts, uh, but they also eat plenty of insects. Every society, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, So they're every, paleo then too. Every animal in the wild, every animal either eats other animals or they eat insects. Well, maybe so, we should start eating insects, Jack. There's, uh, Bill, there's plenty of people that do. Um, I'm not one of them, although there are companies that are coming out with cricket flour. Uh, people are definitely getting into it. I'm not opposed to eating insects. I don't really feel like I need to, but uh, if I was in that circumstance, I, I probably would. Yeah, I had a pit, uh, I, once I was in Mexico, Puerto Escondido, surfing, and uh, after a few shots of tequila, we were talked into eating a plate of crickets, and you know, I don't really quite remember how that went, but it was very bizarre to eat something like that with such a nice exoskeleton on it. So I'm sure back in the day also, you probably took a shot of uh, tequila that maybe had the worm in it. Uh, of course. A, a bottle of mezcal uh, that had some other uh, medicinal properties supposedly to it. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, once again, uh, you know, we... Um, we hate the idea of, of what it does to other animals, uh, but the reality is it's just it's the healthiest diet uh, for us, uh, and I think we can do it humanely. Uh, the people that are vegans, I've got all the respect in the world for them. Because oh, so do I, dude. You know, they're, they're doing it for uh, you know for what they feel is the is the you know is the right cause, and, and I totally get that. Um, but uh, you know, once again, every society in the history of the world has been a meat and or seafood eater. 
plain and simple. These people that are vegans, they're experimenting on themselves, and the doctors who recommend the vegan diet are experimenting on their patients. Right. Now, you, you talked about like the lion in the wild. They don't like catch their meat and throw it up on a barbecue. Where do we go as far as cooked meat? I had this discussion with somebody yesterday. I mean, oh, he was he's doing an all raw diet, and I wanted to know what he was eating as far as protein. He was basically plant based uh, proteins. But why do we as humans feel it's necessary to cook our meat? Because I mean, I love sushi, and I like my steaks pretty much rare. But where do we start cooking, and where did that come in as far as our ancestry is concerned? Uh, yes, you and I, um, uh, you and I uh, dined. Uh, with our ladies at a fantastic place in Laguna, Merrillwood Grill, and uh, they use uh, you know free-range grass-fed products. I know you had your uh, your steak on the rare side, and my burger was on the rare side. Uh, I, I think you know cooking things as minimal as possible is probably the best way to go. That being said, humans have been using fire for hundreds of thousands of years to cook, uh, and uh, you know the cooking process. Uh, I, I think you know causes some improvements, causes some some changes to the meats. Uh, what not, improvements would it be? Well, I think you know when, when you cook anything, there could be the accentuation of uh, you know bringing out healthy fats, bringing out okay. uh, you, know, you know changing and making some of the some of the uh, some of the byproducts of that meat more absorbable, more digestible uh, in the cooking process, uh, and that may be true certainly for vegetables uh, and and possibly for meat. Uh, you know the the cooking process may kill off bad bacteria right, that is uh, right. that meat from from the handling of it from other right. people. Uh, but uh, you know once again, humans have been cooking for for uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, and I don't see it as a problem. Okay, good. Now, you were like you were saying earlier, you were going down the wrong path, and then it was your beautiful wife, who's a chiropractor, Heather, that got you on the right track. She got you. You had a date or something, and you were drinking like diet Mountain Dew or something. Is that what it was? Hilarious, yes. yes Was it yeah, Mountain Dew? It's getting to become a famous uh, story in our circles, of course, about our second date when I showed up with a, a can of Diet Mountain Dew. So now you've got a can, uh, which of course we shouldn't drink out of right. because it's with plastic and it's aluminum, etc. Uh, and then you've got that diet product in there, which is the artificial sweeteners and artificial colors. And it was and just the phosphoric a, acid. That's another big problem is acidity. Phosphoric acid, uh, uh, you know, just dissolves our bones, leads to osteoporosis, malabsorption, etc. You're right. And uh, she got into the car, and uh, uh, she said, "If you ever want to have another date with me, you will never drink uh, diet soda or regular soda uh, again." And I, to this day, over uh, 11 years later, I have not. So. Uh, yeah, but uh, I used to. I was known as actually uh, as so many the doctors eat absolutely deplorable diets. I mean, the, you know, the food in the doctors' lounge is disgusting, and what people do around the hospital, uh, you know, drinking their you know their coffee and whatever in their styrofoam cups. And I would walk around the hospital with my one liter bottle of Diet Mountain Dew, and I would leave the intensive care unit. And one of the nurses would page me, "Oh, Doctor Wolfson, you forgot your Diet Mountain Dew," and I would have to go up there. Uh, and get it, and uh, you know, of course, the importance of caffeine was uh, the fact that I was only sleeping about four to five hours a night, which is also a recipe for for disaster and right. death. Uh, sleep is is uh, maybe the single most important thing uh, for our health uh, out of any, anything that we're talking about. But uh, yeah, that's the diet Mountain Dew story. Well, why would you drink diet versus the regular Mountain Dew? I'm just curious. I I never ever ever liked the taste of aspartame. I could all it just tasted like you were drinking chemicals. I, I don't know if that's something you get used to or start to crave or what was the deal there. 
Well, you're just an inherently smarter person than I was because I bought the company. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I, I bought the company line hook, you know, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, you know that uh, you know back in the '80s when they started really promoting diet products that this was the healthier way to go and to avoid the sugar and keep your weight down. And I don't know why I'd be concerned about my weight when I was 18, 19. I certainly didn't have to. Uh, but um, uh, you know, thinking that it actually uh, you know would would prevent obesity, and we all of course know that uh, diet drinks and soft drinks uh, you know do not uh, uh, you know the, the prevent obesity in any way shape or form. Uh, and then just, yeah, just an acquired taste. I had some friends that were drinking diet. My mom was drinking diet and therefore I started drinking diet. And, uh, you know, my father used to drink this rat gut poison called crystal light, which is artificial sweeteners, artificial colors. And I have no doubt that led to, uh, to a lot of his health problems. Uh, let's switch gears again now. Now you spoke here at DCS and you did an amazing job. Let me, let me before we go there, let's talk one, one other thing. Now, how did you ever get to be such an anti-vaccine? And you know what? I hate that word anti-vaccine because it makes us look like, you know, I like to say we're pro-health and we're, you know, pro-living with the congruency to our genetics and pro-just common sense to me. I mean, I, I don't get sticking needles in kids to promote health, especially they keep pushing more and more and more and more and that's why kids are getting sicker and sicker and we all both know that autism is a direct result. I mean, at least that's my opinion. Yeah. And I think a lot of the problems with the microbiomes probably has can be attributed to MMR. But how did you ever get to be such an anti-vax dude? Uh, yes, and you know what? I think sometimes we try and sh uh, shy away from a, on a spiritual level from the word anti. I know, it's bad. And but, here's but, the whole thing. What, now but, we've got this whole rift between the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers, which is like, you know, I, I don't want to alienate 98.5% of the population because most people vaccinate. But, I mean, I'm here just trying to help people. I, there's, there's nothing financial in it for you or I try, trying to get people to understand the truth and get them to read and teach them and then make an educated decision. I'm not here to say to do or don't. But here, these are the facts. These Here's the books. And it's we've always always done it from the heart, and everybody thinks that we have some type of like back end scheme to make money off of it. And in the reality, it like with you, you, you pretty much got ostracized when you really got vocal in social media. Uh, yes, I had I had to spend uh, uh, I had to spend over uh, about over eight grand on my initial defense to my osteopathic uh, medical board here in Arizona because of my anti vaccine comments. And I'm an unapologetic anti-vaxxer, whatever, whatever you want to label us uh, uh, as, uh, and we can say that we're pro-health and pro-natural immunity, or uh, look, I always use the hashtag, uh, uh, you know, society against injecting our kid with chem our kids with chemicals. Uh, and uh, uh, but you know, it, it's certainly not uh, it's certainly not for the money that you would ever take this position. Uh, it's a damaging position to do it. There's no other reason to do it except for to save the children, to save our patients. Uh, and to save the planet, because what the the pharmaceutical companies are looking to do, they're coming out with vaccines for everything. They've got hundreds more in the pipeline. I know from a cardiology standpoint, they're basically coming up with a vaccine against cholesterol. Cholesterol is necessary for every single cell in our body. Every single cell has it. All of our hormones. Especially your brain. I think that's the real truth. They get that vaccine going, and they're going to create more zombies than we already got. Uh, we, we know we know that when you lower cholesterol, you know too much. That uh, you know clearly it has neurologic effects. And I've seen so many patients over the years that have had uh, a brain damage and transient global amnesia, 
uh, you know, you know, from from uh, you know from lowering cholesterol too much. You know, so anyways, but uh, the vaccines, their chemicals, the problems. Uh, I, I, th I think you know what our what our mission really is to highlight is not. Uh, uh, is, is, to, is to boost things naturally uh, and, and to eat the right foods, stay away from the toxic environmental chemicals and pollutants, uh, you know, get your, get your routine chiropractic care, get your sleep, get your exercise, build the body up naturally. That's the, that's the way to do it. The answer is never to do it by injecting chemicals, especially into newborn uh, babies. I talk about this, that the hepatitis B uh, vaccine, the hepatitis B shot, uh, uh, you know, there's three shots that are given uh, in, in the first few months of life for hepatitis B. Hepatitis B is a virus that you get from sleeping with uh, prostitutes and IV drug use, and yet they give it to every child uh, born uh, in the United States. And each one of those contains a billion, billion um, uh, aluminum atoms. And aluminum does not belong in the body, does not oh. belong injected in the body. It causes terrible, terrible damage. A billion, billion atoms. That's a number we can't even concept to think about how many atoms. And the atoms, of course, is the aluminum uh, atom that you remember from the high school periodic uh, table. And you put that into the body and it just travels everywhere and just disrupts the whole system. How do we think that that's not going to affect uh, the outcome of, of our children. It's just, uh, you know, all, all in the name of preventing a virus that's 90% uh, and above uh, of people clear uh, on their own, just like as they'd be clearing the, the uh, flu virus or a common cold virus, the healthy person will clear hepatitis B. The unhealthy person will be a chronic uh, carrier of it, and a small, small minority of the time, uh, you know, somebody would have liver failure from it. Let me ask you this from a, a cardiology standpoint. What would you say and what do you recommend a normal cholesterol level be? Because I know they've lowered that sequentially over the years just to get more people on statins. I mean, what, when, when you see somebody, what do you consider normal? Well, you know, cholesterol is one thing, and but what we commonly target as cardiologists is the LDL. Yeah. And the LDL is the bus that shuttles cholesterol around the body. And uh, the goal has always been to reduce that LDL. First it was below 160, and then it was below uh, 130 and below 100. Now the number is below 70. And what I try and do is, is that by the use of, of uh, paleo nutrition, eating healthy foods, uh, chemical detoxification, once again, chiropractic care, uh, 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 anti, you know, relaxation, sleep, whatever. We find the perfect uh, paleo cholesterol for each individual person. And you, Billy DeMoss, would be different from me. Jack Wolfson would be different from, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, Bill Clinton. I mean, be, you know, different from anybody. Everybody is, is going to be different. And, why'd you pick Bill Clinton? Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about vegans, so maybe the vegan came to mind, and of course he's a cardiac patient. Uh, is he a vegan? So he's a, he's he's uh, he said uh, that he is vegan. Now, what he does behind do you believe doors, him? I don't believe him. Uh, you know, I, I don't, of course we don't believe anybody in what they say. And, well, I don't uh, believe most politicians. Let's put it that way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so you know, so let's find the perfect number for each individual person. Uh, there are there are rare rare circumstances where something is familial. I hate when th when people uh, blame their issues on their family because well, it's all just they have the same lifestyles as their parents is all it is. 
the vast majority of the time it's not true as you said it is all you know lifestyle related but there are a few people in society that have genetically very very high cholesterol their numbers uh, are difficult to bring down by by natural measures uh, and sometimes we have to point them in the direction of pharmaceuticals but that would be pretty much the only only time listen pharmaceuticals uh, hospitals, doctors—they're fantastic in the trauma situation. No, they're, they're the best, dude. And I always give them just thumbs up on that. And I mean, they're great in an emergency and a crisis, but they really don't have anything to do with healthcare. And certainly not for prevention. They—they've right. they, got no clue when. Well, it comes tell me to one thing that they can do to promote health. Uh, what they can do now, or, or, or in the well, future? I mean, with an allopathic mindset. I mean, you're an allopath, but. You have transitioned from more of a allopathic mentality, which if you look up the word allopath, it means just the reduction of symptoms. You have transitioned into somebody that's into like a holistic lifestyle, which is, again, congruent with genetics. And it's not like there's any drug or surgical procedure that can improve the performance of a human being. It's just impossible. But if you get people to eat better exercise, think right, all those things are going to promote health. Yes, uh, you know, I mean, I see so many people obviously that come in and they're on uh, they're on aspirin believing that there's benefit to aspirin and they're on their statin drug and uh, and they're on their blood pressure drugs and they come in, they're on six, seven, eight, ten different things and uh, as we've said before, you know, cardiac disease is not from a Lipitor deficiency or an aspirin deficiency and, and heartburn. It's from an exercise and Diet deficiency. Yeah, that's the truth. You know, heartburn, reflux. I mean, all these people are on these toxic uh, drugs, and uh, you know, it, it just—it's—it's it's amazing how quickly it struck me though when my wife just kind of opened up my eyes to the natural world, and it just—I—I I, I, I mean, to to uh, you know have this unveiling, uh, you know, for me of of what just makes total sense and why the conventional doctors just don't get it and a lot of times they don't want to get it because let's face it Billy you know you've been you, you if you've led uh, a lie for so many years uh, it makes it very difficult to change sure uh, it also makes it difficult to change from a financial standpoint I mean how many how many cardiologists are going to do what I did and again just opt out of the conventional world and open up a natural holistic cardiology practice clearly all the money uh, is in uh, conventional medicine that's the insurance but I think that's changing though too I think people are gravitating more towards your type of uh, uh, cardiology. At least well, anybody my, that's got you know two brain cells that they can rub together. Uh, but, you know, my, my practice is is tremendously successful uh, because of that. Because yeah, people are starting to wake are waking up. up. Yeah, and I yes. think that that's the whole push in California for the vaccine thing is just because a lot of people are starting to wake up, and I feel that they feel threatened to a point where they now have to force it on people. Let me ask you two more questions and we can wrap this up because this thing went longer than I wanted to. But we're having a great conversation. As you, Like when we went to dinner, we could talk. In fact, you had to kick me out that night because you had to get somewhere. But you talked about all the chemicals that are present in food. Are you big on cleansing at all? Yes. Uh, I love the idea of cleansing. So uh, I think a cleanse really serves two purposes. Uh, number one is that it does help you get some of the toxins and pollutants out of the body. So whether you do it by a juice cleanse or a water cleanse or the master cleanse or whatever your techniques are, that uh, you, you definitely should do it uh, with a uh, holistic practitioner, I think, to guide you through it. 
Uh, I think that's one thing as far as getting the pollutants out of the body. But I think the best thing about a cleanse is that it breaks food addictions. So if you are stuck on alcohol or you're stuck on sugar and chocolate or ice cream or bread or cookies, whatever it may be, if, if you dive into that week-long cleanse, no matter what it is, uh, then you get over those cravings and you come out the other side uh, no longer addicted to those foods. And hopefully you can maintain that for a while without... Um, uh, you know, w without reverting back to your old habits. And if you do, then set up another cleanse. Pick a date, uh, November 1st, uh, after Christmas Day, New Year's Day, or wh whatever it may be, uh, to dive into that uh, natural holistic lifestyle. Perfect. Last question, and we'll wrap this up. Now, you killed it here at DCS. And the thing I liked about you is that you're just, you're just a, a regular guy. You're somebody that kinda, I can sit down and have a regular conversation. I feel comfortable around you. You're very approachable, and that's the kind of people I like to hang out with. And everybody loved you at DCS, which is Dead Chiropractic Society, which has really spawned into our bigger event, which is California Jam. And we are really excited to have you, and you're going to be bringing your wife along with you on that program. But you came last year, and that was another reason I, I picked you, is because you were actually there to support it. What, how, would you tell, how would you describe Cal Jam to people that have never been before? It's, uh, it's an absolutely amazing, amazing event. The people that are there are just part of the holistic uh, community. Uh, we are there to change the world. You're there with people uh, that are truly your brothers and sisters you know, on this mission to make the world a better and a healthier and a happier place. The speakers are over-the-top, enthusiastic, entertaining, enlightening, uh, the the venue, of course, is beautiful, and Costa Mesa, uh, just everything there, and then, of course, the musical interludes. And I've been to so many dry oh, medical conferences, uh, and and to be there and listening to you guys up on stage and jamming to tunes that we grew up with uh, in the '70s and the '80s, and and modern music and. Uh, it's really, really fantastic. I'm coming. I'm bringing the entire family. I'm bringing my mother. I'm bringing my mother-in-law. I'm bringing my brother-in-law, uh, who's a vegan, who I love uh, very much. I'm bringing as many people, telling as many people as I can, because it is a life-changing event, and I was so happy to be there uh, last year and so happy to be coming for 2016. Rock and roll, brother. All right, I really appreciate you so much for taking time out of your day to do this podcast with me. And if any of your followers are interested, they can go to caljam.org. And let's say that uh, we'll give them 47 bucks off the doctor price, the DC price. And then we'll give them, just make it 300 for doctors, and then we'll make it 250 for spouses and significant others of the doctors. And then we also have a general public, but I can't give a break on those because I'm losing money on those already. It's a steal. It's, it's a steal, dude. I sometimes wonder why it's so cheap, but I don't know. I know it. I know it because uh, I, there, there would never, ever be a person that would walk out of there and say, that was not worth every penny. <laughs> no. Uh, you forgot to mention the parties, though, too. We have two big parties, the Black Tie Gala and also the Disco Party. And we're going to do it in a real swanky club this year. We're stepping it up even at, with a party afterwards because I, like you said, I like to bring the meat and potatoes for everybody. But let's have some fun while we do it. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be dry and stale. And the, the doctors all get, uh, at least in the chiropractic profession, get 
18 hours of relicensure, and we're also working to see if we can get the acupuncturist on board with that as well. Right, right. Well, uh, uh, wonderful. I was at the Black Tie event last year. It was absolutely fantastic. So, Did you go uh, to the yeah. disco party? Uh, didn't make the disco oh, party. Oh, dude, you, if you come to that, that is like the most fun you can have, as I say, with your clothes on. It's like unbelievable. Yeah, no, we will, we will, uh, my wife and I will be there, we'll be there ready to party and hang out with everyone. It's uh, uh, very exciting, very exciting event. All right, Jack, I'm going to sign off here. We, we only talked for like 40 minutes, dude. Signing Not off, that. Billy D with my good friend, Dr. Jack Wolfson, the paleocardiologist. Peace out, brother. $7 can get you a romance novel, a number one combo at In-N-Out Burger, a 12-pack of granola bars, a cup of green juice, or one month of access to the CalJam Network. At CalJam, we take pride in the array of topics our speakers have covered over the past eight years. With the CalJam Network membership, most of our speakers' talks can be accessed. In our network, you can also find numerous seminars from the Dead Chiropractic Society's monthly meeting with over 100 chiropractors and some of the best speakers in the profession. The CalJam Network is your all-access pass to CalJam and DCS workshops, videos, and chiropractic content. From past CalJam speakers to recent DCS seminars, the network is a great resource for anybody passionate about chiropractic health or global sustainability. So don't miss out. We upload new and exciting content monthly, which can stream on any device, even your smartphone. Join the CalJam network today for only seven bucks a month at caljam.org forward slash network. one child I said you change it for the school not your emotion their emotion well, because everybody has a self-healing mechanism we know that your community is desperately waiting for you to show up wake up out of your apathetic slumber tell the people all about the principles of chiropractic is you are the vessel of the change Ability to move that keeps us alive. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me?